following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Um, just an addition to the prayer list, Virginia is having surgery on her finger tomorrow uh, to reattach some nerves and tendons and Stuff like that, so you can keep uh, keep her in prayer tomorrow. Um, so I have some questions for you. <clears throat> what is our only hope in life and death? We are not our own, but we belong to God. We are not our own, but we belong to God. We've got some cheat sheets up here on the back. <laughs> and what is God? God is the creator of everyone and everything. I don't hear you saying any wrong answers, but these are the answers that we're memorizing. <laughs> okay. And uh, how many persons are in God? There are three persons in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Good job. So, Again, I'll remind you that we are working our way through the New City Catechism, and you can order that book full of devotions if you want. The kids are doing it through Sunday School. There's also a free app in your app store. If you search for the New City Catechism, you will learn these questions and these specific answers um, to memorize, uh, as well as some devotional material and scripture that goes along with it. And if you use the children's version of the app, you get to learn a little song that helps you remember um, which is really fun, and the kids sing that down in Sunday school. Um, there, we won't be having Sunday school today because we're having lunch and the Lord's Supper, So, um, but we're going to pick up for you parents so you're aware. We're going to pick up with uh, question number four next week. So you, you've got question number three on your own um, this week, and then we'll do question number four next week. Okay? Anything else I was supposed to say before that? Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, <clears throat> so let's turn together to Luke chapter 8. Uh, this morning we're going to look at verses 4 through 15, and that's on page 865 in the Pew Bible. So this is, <clears throat> this is unique in that this is Luke's first record of Jesus teaching in parables. He's used some symbols before, but this is... Um, this is his first record of Jesus teaching in a parable. And a parable is a very profound and effective teaching tool that takes the figure from everyday life but applies to it a great spiritual truth. Warren Wiersbe wrote, uh, A parable starts out as a picture that is familiar to the listeners, but as you carefully consider the picture, it becomes a mirror in which you see yourself. And many people don't like to see themselves. I would also like to add that this, that the picture um, that becomes a mirror when carefully considered also um, becomes a window into which we can see the grace of God. So let's look at our text in Luke chapter 8 and then we'll jump in. So Luke 8, 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, 
Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for, the good, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving it for us to read and to learn from. We thank you that it is your words, not some person's interpretation. So we pray, Lord, that you would be the interpreter for us this morning. That we would understand what you have for us, not anything that I say. But we would hear your voice. That we would have ears to hear eyes to see, and soft hearts to receive the message. May we all be good soil. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So i got to tell you, it definitely makes it easier for an expository preacher when the Lord Jesus exposits the text for you, <laughs> which is exactly what he did. Um, last week I told you I, I really wanted an easy one, and didn't get it. Um, and this week, the Lord's done all the work already, which is great because I've been sick all week. Um, so it really, uh, the Lord really did help me out in a great way that way. Um, I'm sure for many of you, this parable is familiar, uh, though it may not be to everyone. Um, to the disciples, it certainly wasn't. Um, and in fact, on the surface, it seems like a completely ineffective marketing approach. Um, think of it this way. If your purpose is to reach as many people as possible with a particular message and hook them with it, would you consider making your, deliberately making your message confusing and hard to understand or mis easily misunderstood? This is marketing 101. This is what not to do. And I think Luke is very polite when he records the disciples' response uh, to this first parable in verse 9. Luke simply said that 
uh, the disciples asked him what it meant. And I think, I, I think, in my imagination anyway, so it's not particularly sanctified, um, I think it might have sounded something like this. Jesus tells a story, this parable, the sower and the seeds, and the disciples say, what the heck was that? What is that all about? What are you talking about? Seeds and we've got a we've got a great big crowd here to you know to hear and see uh, everything that you're doing. They want to hear about the kingdom, and you give them that. Uh, what are what is that all about? So I was not one of the twelve. I wasn't there. I didn't record it. That's just my guess of something. It might have gone something like that. Jesus explains to them not only the meaning of the parable, but parable, but also the purpose of the parables. In verse 9, when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 when he explains why he was using parables. It isn't that he was speaking in riddles or deliberately trying to trick anyone, but when he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he simply means that not everybody is going to get this, but those who, by the grace of God, have hearts prepared for the message, those are the ones that will understand. That's honestly the key to understanding this parable, is to understand the grace of God at work on those who have ears to hear. And by the grace of God, we have the explanation to the parable right here. But I'm afraid still not everyone will understand what Jesus was saying. The headings call this the parable of the sower. Now, just uh, for a clarification, um, the headings are added much later. Uh, Luke did not write this heading. It was added in just like chapters and verse numbers. It's just trying to be helpful. Um, and eh, could have done better with the, with the heading. This could just as easily be called the parable of the seed or the parable of the soils or the seed and the soils. So what do we know? Who is the sower? Let's look at the parable. Who's the sower? A guy. A guy. Okay. So in thinking about the meaning of the parable, who is the sower? Anybody. Jesus. No, Jesus is the sower. Okay? We're, we're not talking about long-distant application of this parable. We're talking about that day, that time, who's the sower? It's Jesus. That's important. And what is the seed? The word of God. Now, this is a tricky, um, this is a tricky phrase for us, because what's the word of God? It's the Bible, right? That's what we call the Bible, the word of God. When Jesus says the word of God, does he mean the Bible? No, he doesn't, because only half of it had been written at this point, right? So when he says the word of God, he means the gospel. He means the message of the kingdom of God, how to get in it, right? That means through faith in him. So that's the seed. That's the word of God that he's talking about, the good news. And what do the four different types of soil represent? 
hearts, right? The hearts of those who hear the gospel, the hearts of those who hear the word of God. So the soils represent those hearts, those who hear the message. And I'm sure in the crowd that Jesus was speaking to, all four types of hearts were represented. And perhaps here today or watching this years from now, who knows, all four types of hearts are represented. Now, as I said before, parables are a picture that when carefully considered become a mirror. So as we think about it in that way, let's carefully consider this together and see what we see reflected. Let's look at the soils. The first soil is the path, verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. These these folks, these hearts, are the hearts of the indifferent. They hear the message but aren't really listening. This word from Jesus was nothing more than gardening tips to them. Where to throw your seed, right? Be careful. How, how and where you sow. How to grow a garden in five easy steps from Jesus. Now, it's also important to understand alongside the indifference of the hearts of these folks is also the work of the devil, our enemy. He snatches away the word before it can take root. And I don't know how that happens. Something distracts them. He uses something to convince them of anything other than the truth that they've heard. Make no mistake, our enemy, the devil, doesn't want the gospel to take root in the hearts of any of his captives. And that's what people who don't know Jesus are, whether they're aware of it or not. They're not our enemy. They're not our adversary. They are captives waiting to be liberated by the gospel. So when the people on the TV or the Internet or at work or at school stand up against your faith and stand up against Jesus and condemn him and the gospel, it's because they're deceived They're captive to lies. They're not our enemies. They're those that we should pray for and have compassion on so that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free from their captivity. The devil wants people to be distracted. He wants people to ignore the message of the gospel and he will stop at nothing to snatch that word away and keep people from believing in Jesus and being saved and set free. That's the path. The words trampled underfoot, snatched away by birds. And the second soil is the rocky soil. Verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. These are, this is among the most heartbreaking group of people for me personally. You share the gospel with them 
and they receive Christ and with joy. And everything is great until it isn't. And then they give up and walk away. For gospel preachers, these folks are exciting at first. Their response to the gospel is impulsive and emotional. But when life gets real, when following Jesus gets hard or inconvenient, they give up on Jesus because they have no root. Having worked at camps for like 30 years, this is the Thursday night campfire crowd, right? Any of you who have gone to camp can smile and nod, right? These are campfire conversions Thursday night. It's always Thursday night because everybody is exhausted from a whole week of camp, and they have their defenses are totally shot. Like, yes, okay, it's me. I, it was me, right? Rarely, this rarely represents the reality of belonging to Jesus. This is an, they accept Christ on an emotional high, right? And when the emotional high wears off, their faith withers, right? This was me every year at camp as a camper. Twelve years, I think, in a row, I accepted Christ as my Savior. So finally took, you know, years later. Right? These are the folks that will tell you, if they weren't campers, these are folks that will tell you, I tried Christianity and it just didn't work. You know, I, uh, I, didn't, I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel different. Nothing changed in my life. You know, and I've heard this before, and it's heartbreaking. Those, those are the thin soil, the rocky soil. And the third soil is the thorny soil. <clears throat> this is also unpleasant. Verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. These folks are the distracted. They may well be believers, don't forget, a, a plant grew, right? The fruit didn't mature. These, these are the folks that, that are so preoccupied with the cares and concerns of this life that they're unfruitful. Friends, that could be all of us. C.S. Lewis wrote, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. When our focus is just on this life and this time, and I've got to get my bills paid, and I've got to do my job, and I've got to get my kids to practice, and I've got to do this and do this and do this and and, 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 and. We don't have time for Jesus. We don't have time to pray. I don't have a brain cell left to pray to read my Bible, to tell people about Jesus. Anybody? Guess it's just me. There is a seemingly infinite stream of voices calling out for our attention. 
whether it's worry over life's affairs or money or the constant need for entertainment, whatever it is that is distracting people from the word and the work of the Lord, it's causing them, causing us to be ineffective and unfruitful. Someone once said to me, all living things grow. That's how you can tell a thing is alive, because it's growing. That's only partially true. Living things bear fruit. Living things bear fruit. If you grow a flower in your house, the fact that it grows is not the only proof that it's alive and healthy. If it bears seed, that's how you know it's healthy. It's reproducing. And that leads us to the fourth soil, the good soil. Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So, obviously, good soil wins the prize, right? Gold star for being good soil. These are the hearts that hear the gospel, they respond to Jesus in faith, surrender their lives to him, and go on to tell others about him. And we say a lot around here that our intention is to make and mature disciples of Jesus together as a family, and it is. And our intention is to make and mature disciples that will make and mature disciples, right? That's what bearing fruit looks like. The fact that you're here at all, if you're believing in Jesus, if you're trusting in him, you are the fruit of someone else's labor, right? Somebody told you, maybe somebody's, maybe a lot of people told you, and it took forever, but it finally took, right? I can say that. Lots of preachers take credit for me. <laughs> Poor jerks. <laughs> take the blame, maybe, is more accurate, right? And in a way... We go from being soil to being sowers. You guys already guessed that at the very beginning, right? Because you're so smart. The kingdom of God, though there is no mystery, there's no secrets in God's word, the, the word of God, the kingdom of God, is still a secret to many people. And that, that secret is what we are called to tell people to shine light on the worst kept secret in the world, that Jesus died to save sinners. The kingdom of God is the secret that we are called to reveal by indiscriminately casting the seed of the gospel. All right, this sower didn't plant in rows. Right, he cast seed like this. So what's the lesson? Be good soil. Right? Mm. Mm. It's tricky. If the lesson is be good soil or even cast good seed or whatever, we miss the window. We're stuck at the mirror staring at ourselves. Who is the Bible about? You? Mm -hmm. So this parable starts as a picture, right? Right? of a sower casting seed. Now that we've considered carefully 
Maybe you've seen yourself reflected as one of these types of soils, and maybe even the sower. But if we continue to look at the picture, we see a window into the grace of God. Here's what I mean. <clears throat> How, have any of you ever grown a garden? Right. I'm not a gardener. <laughs> we tried it one time and then went to camp in July, where you have to water your garden and came back to dead plants. So those of you who have even tried gardening before, did you just throw seed down on your lawn and hope for the best? Right? No, I hope. I bet you didn't. I hope you didn't. Good soil doesn't happen by accident. Good soil is cultivated and maintained. And who cultivates and maintains the soil? The farmer, right? If you're growing a garden, that makes you a farmer. And if you just throw seeds out on your front lawn and hope for carrots to grow, you are a bad farmer, right? A good farmer cultivates the soil. The parable of the sower is a declaration of the free grace of God, as well as his unconditional election of those who believe. Who makes good soil good? The farmer. Matthew Henry wrote, Happy are we and forever indebted to free grace if the same thing that is a parable to others with which they are only amused is a plain truth to us by which we are enlightened and governed and into the mold of which we are delivered. If you were good soil and you received the seed and grew and bare fruit, it's because God prepared the soil. By his grace, he tilled up the lawn that was your heart and made you ready to receive the seed. Good soil doesn't get good on its own. God prepares the soil. And that's the picture, that's the window into his grace. By God's grace, you heard the gospel. By God's grace, you received the gospel. By God's grace, you were saved. And by God's grace, you can bear fruit. Therefore, preparing our minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without lemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how great is your amazing grace that prepares the soil of the hearts of mankind. We are forever grateful that those of us that know you and trust in you have by your grace been made good soil, ready to receive that word. And it's by your grace that that seed can grow and bear fruit. And we're grateful for that. But Lord, we admit there are lots of things that distract us, that fight for our attention all the time, that might keep us from being the kind of soil that bears fruit. Protect us, Lord. We pray that you would weed out our gardens, tear out those thorns and thistles that distract us, and help us to focus on you. And Lord, if there is anyone here that has never um, never heard the seed of the word of God, never heard the gospel before, never accepted Christ as their Savior, pray that even now they would call out to you in faith, receive your sacrifice on the cross for them, and put their trust in you that they might grow and bear fruit for the gospel. Lord, we're so grateful for your amazing grace. We're forever indebted. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 